This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Carnivore Cure. Carnivore Cure is a book, a work in progress plant database, and in the future, an intense group program. Carnivore Cure is meat based nutrition and the ultimate elimination diet. The Carnivore Cure book helps to break down science and provides a step by step elimination diet protocol. It also provides extensive nutritional information and support for a meat based diet. Carnivore Cure is rooted in evidence based nutrition with over 600 citations and over 250 colored graphics and tables. If you need assurance that a meat based diet is ideal, or if you need more in depth support to guide you, then this book is for you. The colored informationals and nutrition facts will make this book a reference for years to come. Make sure to get your copy on Amazon or at carnivorecure.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're Jumping from diet to diet. At a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my amazing co host and friend, Judy Cho. And we are really excited today, I think, to talk about something that's been a big、uh, up and down issue for me in my life, which is sleep. And I think both of us get lots of questions about sleep. I know Judy is going to give us some education and science behind it, and then hopefully we will be able to kind of diagnose some of my issues and then also maybe.、Um, Talk about ways to improve your sleep and your health overall and how important sleep is. So, I'm Judy, I'm very excited for this one、um, because it's my entire life carb eater, carnivore, all of it. Sleep has, even as a kid, sleep has always been a big thing for me. So, I'm excited for this one today. Yeah, me too. I, I know that this is a topic that、um, 
you know, gets a lot of attention because a lot of people struggle with sleep. I am going to just explain some of the reasons why we need sleep and then um, why on a low carb diet, why we may get affected by our sleep and what does that mean? And then maybe some tips from there. Um, I'm not going to really get into why we need sleep because I think at this point, we all understand that it's important. Um, there's a whole section in Carnivore Cure. And again, everything I talk about, even studies, I will put it in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. But um, there's a whole section in Carnivore Cure that talks through the importance of sleep, right? We need it to detox. Uh, we need it for fat loss, uh, learning new skills, physical repair, and a bunch of other things. Even as kids, like I know we're, we'll talk about like, I know we focus a lot on kids, but when I was a small child, um, I needed a lot of sleep. I would come home from kindergarten and take a nap. And so it's like, if I didn't get enough sleep, even as a kid, I would get sick. And it's been that way, no matter what kind of diet I've eaten, like, it's just so key. And I think everybody knows how important that is, right? Even if you're not in the health space. Um, you know, as I was doing a little bit more research, I mean, sometimes it's just genetics, right? So some people need more sleep than others. I think when we are adults, the average that we assume is good is between six to eight hours. I know some people say it's eight, but I think on a ketogenic diet, you can actually do good with six. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But, um, you know, and it'll also depend on your demand. So if you do a lot of physical activity, if you have more inflammation, you have more oxidative stress, you may need more sleep at night to maybe do some more healing. So let's just dive right into, you know, why sleep can be bad on a low carb diet, and then what you can do about it. So I, I don't know if you experienced this, Laura, when you first went keto or carnivore, but I'm um, just having disrupted sleep. So all of a sudden, uh, you have more energy over time, but you started noticing that maybe, okay, I'm wide awake at night. I can't seem to sleep. People also get this during extended fasting. Um, and so people just feel really bad there. You know, they feel great during the day. And then at night, they're just wide awake and they say that carnivore or a low carb diet or extended fasting does not work because they just cannot get sleep. And then it becomes just counterproductive. Um, have you experienced any of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I am somebody you mentioned people, some people need more sleep than others. I'm one of those people. Um, you know, my entire life I've needed a lot of sleep. I think when I was pregnant with my kids, I think I slept 12 hours a night at least. Um, and that was with, when you have no kids, it's great. But once you have the first one, that obviously makes things more difficult. Um, and so I always, as a car beater, especially needed eight, nine, 10 hours of sleep a night on a normal night to function. And so, Switching to um, low carb or carnivore, I have needed less sleep. Um, I typically sleep eight hours, but falling asleep is really hard for me. And I'm, I kind of never know if it's just because I'm crazy and can't turn my mind off, but I have to make a much stronger effort to actually fall asleep at night when before I could have fallen asleep anywhere, anytime, no matter what. Um, and now it's, it's harder for me to fall asleep. And that's what, like you're saying, maybe it's because I have more energy, um, but a lot of it is just, it's an adjustment. I also sleep terrible when I'm extended fasting, um, usually after a couple days, which is why I tend to stick to 48 and not go past that because my sleep starts getting worse. The longer I fast, you're just kind of up and wired, you know, or I wake up in the night and can't go back to sleep. Yeah, so we'll talk through a few of these. It might uh, recommendations may also help you to sleep faster. Typically on a ketogenic diet, I've seen a mix with my clients, to be honest, but 
they say this, you know, in research that uh, most ketogenic low carb dieters will fall asleep quickly, but they may wake up in the middle of the night. And so and then they're wired. um, And um, there's some explanations for that. Oftentimes, when we start a low carb diet, it is a strain on our body. So we will be releasing more cortisol. I mean, we're basically telling our bodies to produce energy in our mitochondria in a different form. And so all of a sudden, it needs to go into high gear. Then if we feel tired, we're amping our body even with more caffeine, more coffee, and that will even be a higher uh, release on adrenaline and cortisol. And so then at night, it becomes really hard to sleep. So the first thing is, I would suggest looking at your macros and what you're eating. If you're constantly still in this, I'm a low carber, but still kind of using glycogen for energy or sugars uh, versus just using ketones, you may be going in this back and forth of um, releasing your glycogen stores and then having to wake up in the middle of the night to release the excess water that's held by glycogen. Sorry, is that why somebody would feel like bloated when they're first starting or if they're like in and out of ketosis, if they're holding all that water like that, people get say that they swell or um, this isn't about sleep, but people feel that they're swelling or bloated of any kind. Do you think that's, is that the same thing? You mean when they're, um, when they reintroduce carbs or when they are going? When they're yeah, like going in and out of ketosis, yes. like say you're trying to start this, but then like, you know, people say like I was swollen the first week I went carnivore or the first week I went low carb, like my fingers and stuff were swelling from the salt or, you know, is that just because of the way that your body's going in and out of ketosis, like you mentioned? Yeah, so your body has to go through a complete transition to go from a fat, a sugar burner to a fat burner. So for example, um, for every gram of glycogen or sugar you have stored in your body, you have three to four grams of water. And so let's say you still have all that glycogen in your system, it's not going to get depleted within two days, especially if you have a lot of that water weight in your system. And then you're like, Oh, I heard that in order not to get the keto flu, I better eat a ton of Um, minerals and sodium, and maybe you don't need it at that point. And so now you have a mix of excess sugar and glycogen. And then you also have the excess sodium, which will then cause the bloat. So it's actually uh, probably better to help release the glycogen and slowly add the minerals. Um, I don't think it's the first day you should be having Soleil water or like, you know, the LMNTs or any of the electrolyte mixes. I don't think you're at the point that you'll need it. And so the um, I guess adverse effect would be that you may feel bloat. It's like, it makes you more tired too. I know that just personally, like anytime I've gone in and out of having, having carbs, I end up sleeping way more and kind of revert back to that old method because my body's just pretty exhausted. And like you said, you don't want to stress yourself out even more. So if you're transitioning, if you've had a cheat, if you're going in and out, like you're going to need more sleep for your body to be able to kind of adjust the way that it needs to. Right, right. And then the other thing is, as you are transitioning, um, you will. So let's say it's been a week now. So you've been eating low carb. And now you're starting to notice, okay, I'm not sleeping well, I do feel better a little bit during the day. But you may need to increase your minerals just because at that point, um, obviously, one is that you're releasing a lot of the water, and then a lot of the water will have your electrolytes in it. But then also when you, your body is in like a more cortisol driven state, you know, when you are transitioning to this, you will also, your adrenals love using sodium and then you'll release potassium and then magnesium and calcium. So you're going to have to basically figure out where you are with your electrolytes. Yeah. Sometimes a deficiency in like, if you get leg cramps, for example, in the middle of the night, or you have restless leg syndrome, sometimes it is related to your minerals and not having sufficient sodium and magnesium and such. 
That's definitely, I feel that when I'm transitioning or, you know, even now if I'm fasting and I'm not taking magnesium of any kind, I use the magnesium spray that you always talk about, but I will definitely get the feet cramps and the leg cramps. Um, Those are kind of my, I can always tell I'm really needing some electrolytes then. As you're transitioning, um, your mitochondria needs a little bit more support. And one way you could do that is by taking extra B vitamins, even though meats have a ton of B vitamins, one, if your digestion is impaired, but um, the other one is B1. So vitamin B1 also helps to break down um, nutrients. As you're trying to transition to a low carb diet, you will likely need more vitamin B1 thiamine, which interestingly is not in a, in a ton of beef or even beef liver. And so I wonder if that's why sometimes for people that are eating like beef only, they sometimes think, oh, maybe if I just add a little bit of carbs, I'll feel better. So they, one, will balance their minerals better because they're retaining a little bit more water. Um, so one thing I would recommend is if you are just eating beef and you can tolerate other meats, pork and salmon, for example, are really good uh, nutritional supports for vitamin B1. Yeah, I think just a lot of variety of meats is usually where people feel the best. Um, and especially if you're not having organs, which I know um, we don't. Yeah. We don't like that. <laughs> but I think that's it. Like what you're talking about, all the stuff with electrolytes and minerals and making sure that's balanced, like that's a huge factor in sleep. And so it's, you know, there's lots of things that could be causing your poor sleep issues if you are having them. And I think one of the biggest factors is um, electrolyte balance and making sure that you're properly you know, you, you know, all that stuff. And, and I think it's really like, if you're having those issues, then try to make some adjustments, see what kind of your, um, electrolytes you're having, try the magnesium spray. Can you take too much magnesium? Like, is it bad to take it if you don't need it? Like I know potassium's the bad one, but like, what about magnesium? Like, could I just spray that on every night and even just as a preventative? It's really hard to overdo magnesium. Most people are deficient in magnesium. So um, I used to just recommend my clients use like two sprays per leg um, in, in, at night. And then if they feel a little bit of stinging, use some lotion on top of it so you don't feel that stinging. Um, I have some naturopathic doctors that say they recommend 20 per leg. So I, I think it's really hard to overdose. The recommendation in general in the hair mineral world is five times um, your weight in um, milligrams for magnesium if you're taking it orally. So if I weigh 130 pounds, um, but that would be about 650 milligrams of magnesium. So yes, it's pretty hard to overdose magnesium, but just you just have to go by your symptoms and see if you feel better. Um, I would give it at least a week if you're trying anything new and try to isolate what new thing you're doing so that you can ensure it's that one thing that's helping you. Yeah, that's a good idea. Definitely. You know, a lot of our listeners are probably just not just starting off. So they're still having sleep issues. So one big thing is make sure that you're monitoring your macros. Um, some people eat meats that have a little bit of sugar. Um, some people add a little bit of carbs or let's say fruit, for example, and then they notice that they seem to be sleeping well, but they're not sleeping, like they don't feel rejuvenated. So I would kind of keep track of what you're eating, maybe take pictures of your foods, and then get a good sense of what truly are your macros, maybe you are having too many carbs than your body actually needs. And so you're not getting into the true fat adapted state or the zero carb zen to then get really restorative sleep. Um, that's one recommendation. And then the other thing is carbohydrates versus ketones. I mean, 
ketones produce more energy. And so you may need to burn off some of the energy during the day and you may have to use up some of it more than you would have if you were eating just um, a high carb diet. So for some people doing a little bit of exercise during the day is a good thing. I don't know. Have you noticed like when you exercise, Laura, um, do you ever feel like you get better sleep? I mean, I probably don't exercise enough to be able to use that as a measurement, but it is a good actually. It's like, I mean, the suggestions people always have for like how to sleep better is to meditate at night and to use blue blockers and not use your phone. And like, I'm not going to do any of those things. Um, (laughs) It's just not going to happen. I have a very, you know, limited amount of time. And Chris and I usually like watch TV together and then I go to bed and it's just, I'm just not going to change those things. I should, but I'm not. So maybe going for a walk in the evenings after I, uh, after dinner or trying to do some exercise, like take 10 or 15 minutes and do some more intense exercises in the earlier evening. Maybe those are better ideas because I feel like that's something I could actually implement versus making all of these changes for the hours that I go before I go to bed. I do think though, I can tell a big difference if I eat right before I go to bed or not, um, that I usually am a little more wired just from getting that energy from maybe that protein, you know, insulin spike or whatever that is. But, um, I definitely know I need to eat a while before bed. I make that adjustment, but I'm certainly not going to make all those other adjustments that I know I should. So exercise is probably a a good thing that I should start implementing more. I know for me, uh, when I exercise during the day, I feel a little bit more energy, but I feel like I could sleep a good amount of hours every day, but it's just that my sleep is so off schedule. I mean, I, I can get like six to eight hours, but it's never consistent. And so that's probably what I do need to work on because that'll affect my circadian rhythm. But I do feel that if I exercise during the day, I feel like I sleep harder, um, but I don't have a ring or I don't have any measurement tool to really say if that's true or not. Yeah. You and I operate in very different schedules and sleep schedules. And I do think this is worth discussing. So we're going to pa- you know, talk about this for a second. I don't. Okay. So I have this thing in the back of my head and I have no idea if it's true or not. But as I was growing up, my mom always said that, I mean, she has a lot of crazy sayings and so who knows what she really believes like, but, uh, or what's really true. But she always said that for every hour of sleep that you get before midnight is worth two hours of sleep or vice versa. Every hour of sleep you get before midnight, um, is actually worth two for every hour that you get after midnight, right? So if you stay up until midnight and then sleep till 8 a.m., yeah, that's eight hours, but the but you're going to get better sleep if you sleep from like 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. type of thing. So even though it's the same number of hours, it's supposedly more restorative. And again, maybe she's a little crazy, so maybe that has to do with circadian rhythm or just... Um... It totally does. So I didn't do so much research in that, but I have seen that a lot. Say, um, there, I think it's like there's two times within your sleep cycle that where your maybe your insulin will be higher cortisol i can't remember exactly what it was but one time it spikes is before 10 or around 10 so you want to be in bed by 10 and i think there's one other one in the middle of the night there is some circadian rhythm i think most of my clients sleep before 10 i do yeah i try i mean i definitely try to it's 9:30 and chris is like you need to go to bed and like he's this is where he and i are very different too i need a lot of sleep he knows i need a lot of sleep I have to be in bed by 10, but I also am up by five in the morning. And so I try to be in bed. Really, I should be in bed before 10, considering I get up at five and also right. just knowing myself and my health. Um, you know, we, I have to just make sleep a priority because it's, it, it affects me so much if I don't get enough sleep. Um, 
I have recently switched to going back to traveling. And so actually tomorrow I'm flying out. My flight's at 5 a.m. So I'm going to leave for the airport at three in the morning. Like it's honestly, I just know already that's going to throw me off for weeks. Like I'm not somebody who can just adjust my sleep regularly like that um, and be able to affect things. I listened to this podcast a while ago with Rob Wolf um, and I think Sam Harris, and they were talking about sleep. And he said that like, if you shortened your sleep one hour every day, essentially by the end of the week, you've missed seven or eight hours of sleep. That's like skipping a whole entire day of sleep. And it's one of the most damaging things you can do for your system. It's like your body is as impaired as if you're driving drunk, as if you're driving on low sleep. I remember as a car beater, as somebody who was obese and as somebody who didn't, you know, needed so much sleep that I would be driving down the highway in the afternoon in that afternoon sun and you're tired and you just can't, you're driving down the road at two in the afternoon and I couldn't keep my eyes open. Um, so I definitely know I don't have those problems anymore, but I know that really resonated with me of shift work. You know, those types of things really, um, negatively affect your sleep. I worked third shift for a lot of years and I was so tired constantly and unhealthy. I was like, sleeping all day and then exhausted all night, uh, just because I was working third shift for several years. What, what is third shift? So I worked third shift typically means like midnight to 8am somewhere around there. And so when I, I was working and I would start at, I had worked two jobs and so I would start one job at like 10pm and work until, um, 4am. And then I would like go to drive down to the other job and I would work until like seven or 8am. So then I would go home and sleep and I would sleep from like 8am until, you know, five or 6pm and then wake up and go do my thing. So like literally sleeping during the day. And that's actually when I started, I sleep with this, even now I sleep with a mask on my eyes and it's this really thick, heavyweight gel, um, cooling mask that I sleep with. I started doing that 12 years ago when I was awake or, you know, sleeping all day and I needed black. Like I knew at least I needed it to be dark to sleep. And so I love this pressure on my eyes. Um, but I, it took me a while to get used to it, but for the last 12 years, like I literally can't sleep without it now. Is, is it the cooling effect of it that helps you sleep or is it that it kind of blacks out for you or? I think it's mostly the blackout and also the pressure. I love just this gentle pressure on my eyes. Like I've tried other eye masks before, like just cloth ones. And it's not the same as having this, like almost like forcing me to keep my, it's like a weighted blanket for your eyes, right. which I, you, y'all know, I love my weighted blanket for my body. It's just really hot, but it's a weighted blanket for my eyeballs. And then also it keeps everything dark. Um, and then I do think that if I have a headache, if I'm, you know, hot, putting it in the freezer for a couple hours before bedtime, like it really makes an immense difference in like soothing stress headaches or, um, you know, eye strain, that type of thing. It's, it's one of the best things that I've done, but it takes, it takes so kind of so long to get used to, I guess, if that makes sense. I've tried uh, one of those eye masks. And when I used to travel a lot, I tried one and it was so irritating to me that I had something on my face that I just never ended up using it. What's interesting about your third shift is that the late night shifts, um, you know, disrupting your circadian rhythm, even for sleep, for eating and all of those things, um, and just having a lot of oxidative stress, inflammation. So even from eating a lot of processed carbs, um, seed oils, all of that stuff, it is considered small doses of like traumatic brain injury. And so what ends up happening is when you're on a ketogenic diet, you have less of that. So you have the less inflammation, 
um, less oxidative stress. And so one of the thoughts is that we may need less sleep in general on a ketogenic diet because when we're sleeping or rather during the day when we're on a ketogenic diet, we have less inflammation, less oxidative stress. And so you're doing some of that autophagy work during the day. So you need less of it at night. And and then there's other studies where they show that we get into deep sleep and REM much quicker and thus the phases are shorter um, on a ketogenic diet. So then you end up hitting the deep sleep and then the REM sleep for longer, even though you're sleeping for shorter. So what I find interesting is, I wonder if back then you were um, on the third shift, if you were eating a ketogenic diet, which they say is probably the best to do when you're a night shift worker, um, you're under a lot of stress so that you're protecting your brain through a ketogenic diet. I wonder if you wouldn't have been as tired. Oh, I'm sure that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And even more so, like, not only was I a carb eater, this was like me right out of college, like my first grown up job out of college. And so then we'd, we'd get off work at six in the morning and go to the bar. <laughs> so like, obviously that wasn't helping. There's, there are place bars open at six in the morning. So it was like all my coworkers. And then like, you know, Maury who comes in every morning and starts drinking at 6am, like the local, anyway, um, that's a random story, but I'm sure things like diet, uh, that I'm sure that would have made a tremendous difference. Um, I, I do think now I do find that like when I'm tired, like I'm going to the East coast tomorrow for this flight and my schedules, I'm in the West coast now. So three hours ahead, I have to get up and go to work in the mornings, which is like really early for me on the West coast. So my whole schedule is going to be thrown off for the rest of the week. I think, you know, I find myself hungrier. I want to snack more anytime I'm I've lost sleep. I'm tired. I just want to snack out of boredom more. I want to graze. I don't want, I'm not hungry for a full meal. I just want to constantly graze whenever I feel tired or exhausted. And so um, it kind of then only makes things worse because I'm never getting this like really good sustaining meal. But my lack of sleep is just really making kind of emotions difficult (laughs) processing things. And it's common. I mean, I, I go through the same thing. So our cortisol's higher when we're not sleeping enough. And then when our cortisol's running on high, then our insulin's wonky too. And then it's so then our body's probably telling us to go eat more um, carby foods or more junk foods to sustain us. And we think, oh, maybe I'll feel less tired if I eat a little bit of um, snacks and stuff. And so it absolutely happens. Then people are also moodier because of the higher cortisol. And if you do it consistently, it really is affecting your mental health, your physical health. And like you said, you up the caffeine then too, which then again, right. you're short on sleep, your body is stressed, you've now jacked up your caffeine level. Uh, and then you've really only made things worse because you're going to mess up your sleep for the following evening. Yeah, one thing, let's touch really quickly on the caffeine aspect. Um, So I know a lot of people use caffeine, we may not need as much caffeine on a ketogenic diet. First of all, our half life of how we process caffeine in our body is very different. So a smoker versus somebody that's pregnant, the smoker will go through the caffeine really quickly. Somebody that's pregnant, it may take over 12 hours. So you may not want to drink as much caffeine. Um, when you are um, initially adapting, again, your cortisol is going to be higher. And then adding the caffeine to it is just going to be a tax on your adrenals, which is what basically re- releases the cortisol. So um, as you are being a fat burner, you may want to reduce the caffeine. Um, I normally recommend my clients maybe one cup in the morning, um, but see how it is. Some people do fine with some tea at night and they can still sleep. But 
if you're having trouble with sleep, you may want to alter your caffeine. It also increases anxiety because it also increases cortisol. For me, I'm just, you know, sharing my sense of sleep. Um, I traveled the day I basically graduated from college and I traveled either worldwide or I traveled, you know, on the East Coast and I was living on the West Coast as well. So I never got a normal sleep schedule ever since yeah. I was young. You know, I'd stay up late in college and then um, and then if I traveled internationally, that completely messed me up. Yeah. And then we would stay out there for weeks and stuff. Um, so I just figured I just need to get a certain amount of sleep, but I never got my circadian rhythm normalized um, just because I've never worked in a same city in my life. I, I don't know what it is to have a desk job because I've never had one. Um, and so then doing nutrition with Judy, um, you know, I have young kids. And so I realized I need to write in quiet or, you know, like no one's talking to me. I need to be able to process and absorb and then rewrite it in the way that I can understand it and share. And so the way that I figured out I could do that is at night while my kids are sleeping. So did it absolutely destroy my sleep cycle even further? Yes. Um, and I saw it in my mineral test, right? So my potassium was completely gone. You know, I've been trying to sleep earlier, but other than that, it's just making sure that I get the six to eight hours. I know that when I'm not sleeping enough, I get the cravings, I get the low mood, I get, I'm just tired, right? I feel like I'm half functioning. And I know because I write a lot. And if I write a lot and research a lot, my brain's like, wait, what did I just read again? And that's how I know I didn't sleep enough because yeah. I can't do that. But it shows that no matter, no matter how much you know, like we all know what we should do. We all know what we need to do. But right. there's also what's realistic for your lifestyle. Like I know I should be shutting off electronics and TV and winding down for all these hours and breathing deeply before I go to bed. It's not going to happen, right? And you can... I really truly though, as a side note, I don't think you can ever catch up on your sleep. And I use this phrase all the time because yeah. I sleep in on the weekends. And so I go... And it's my favorite thing is just to like sleep in on the, on the weekends and, you know, feel like I'm catching up, but it's not really, that's not really how your body works. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, I think at that point, if you are all of a sudden sleeping a ton at one time, you're not catching up on anything. Your body's just recuperating from the trauma right. that you've put it through. Um, but it doesn't mean like, we all know we need to sleep eight, you know, eight hours a night, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And so it's diagnosing I guess if anything, it's being aware of what problems it's going to cause for you. And I know, you know, it's going to cause me problems if I'm not careful. It's going to stall your weight loss. Um, oh, it's going to affect your health in a lot of ways. And so it also affected, we talked about hormones um, and, you know, it was, that was not sleeping enough and not having quality sleep was a big factor in my hormones. And so I had to get my sleep on track just as much as I had to do my eating and my meals and, you know, adjust the other things that I talked about on our previous episode um, to make sure that my hormones were fixed because I wasn't getting proper sleep. All of that stems from cortisol. So if you're not sleeping enough, then your cortisol will be higher. Um, if your body is using all the energy and raw materials to produce cortisol, well, there goes your hormones, right? So in essence, we really need to work on our stress. And so even if you don't get a lot of sleep, um, maybe reducing certain components that will increase your cortisol levels. So the caffeine, um, but just managing your stress. So maybe on days, like on days that I don't sleep enough, I will never work out. I, I will try to use as limited energy as possible. That's one. Um, and then I'll make sure to maybe eat some more fat so that I am satiated enough that if I have cravings that it'll um, diminish a little bit. 
the reality is that a lot of people say that when they add carbs back, they feel better when they go to sleep. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the science. Um, one of the precursors to make melatonin, which is what helps us, it's a hormone that helps us to sleep, is serotonin. And serotonin is basically derived or one of the precursors then also is tryptophan. So we get tryptophan, it's an amino acid, and we get it from our meats. So we would think, okay, well, if I eat a lot of turkey or well, pork has actually more ter- um, tryptophan than turkey, our tryptophan is bound to albumin. And so all other amino acids, they're not really bound to other things. So they could get absorbed into the muscles, they can get absorbed into our brain. But um, the way that tryptophan works, it has to go through this one pathway. And that pathway, then sometimes it'll burn up the tryptophan that we need. And one of the things with that pathway is the more stressed you are and the higher your cortisol is, then that tryptophan will get burned in that pathway rather than getting ready to be used by the blood to then get used in the brain to then produce melatonin. So so let me let me ask this again. So yeah. tryptophan is something that is in a lot of the food that we eat. Yes. And when we eat it, it our brain basically it works its way up to our brain and that's what produces melatonin, which is what helps us sleep, which a lot of people supplement melatonin is this melatonin that they supplement, like similar to what your body makes, or is that just like a pretty, yeah, it is. Um, so, and that is why I'm not a fan of supplementing melatonin long-term it's a hormone. And so just like vitamin D3 is a hormone, just like melatonin is a hormone and pregnenolone and progesterone. I think the, the hormone, all of that stuff, they're all, these signals. And so we don't know why we're deficient. So when we supplement too long, that's probably not ideal because you're, you don't know why that imbalance is happening. And so when you just start interjecting a certain hormone, you don't know what else it's causing to be imbalanced in the body. So temporarily fine, maybe you use some melatonin, but ideally long term, you don't use it. So if you're having issues falling asleep at night and you're um, looking to supplement melatonin, okay, backtrack. Can I eat more pork? Can I eat more turkey? Can I eat anything else that would have that in there? Or where else? what else would they need to potentially adjust to fix that system that you just mentioned? Yeah. So, um, so one of the things is reduce your stress because that pathway that needs to break down tryptophan to essentially make yourself and make it more absorbable to the brain and used the higher your stress, your cortisol, the more it's going to get breakdown and tryptophan won't even get used. So, um, if you're plant-based and you're stressed, that is a disaster for sleep, right? So that's mm-hmm. one. But so one thing is obviously um, you could do meditation, but really it's not even the meditation in a, in this sense, maybe a band-aid, right? Ultimately, you have to reduce your stress. And I know everyone's like, well, stress is part of life. But no, I mean, if your job is really stressful and it's deteriorating your health, it's something that we need to consider. Um, if it's I don't know, environmental stressors, whatever it is in your life, if there's like a bad relationship, um, a toxic boss, I don't know. I mean, whatever the yeah. things are, you need to get to that root cause. Otherwise, you will al- always have a little excess cortisol than the person next to you. So there are some studies that showed that maybe a little bit of MCT oil uh, before bed with your maybe protein meal may help some of that uh, tryptophan get more absorbed into the blood. Um, that's something you could try. Now, MCT is normally used for energy, so it could have the opposite effect on someone. You may want to try with like half a teaspoon at first to see if it'll help. There's other studies that show that fish oils, it'll help reduce some of that inflammation that the cortisol is producing. Um, and it'll then reduce some of the cortisol. So maybe doing like 2000 to 5000 milligrams of fish oil may help. Now, you want to make sure and trust your uh, source of fish oil. 
And then the third one is carbs. So this is why I always wondered why do, why do people say they sleep better with carbs? And this is the reason. So if you think about carbs, they help um, the glyco- the glucose break down to glycogen and get stored in the muscles. And so part of when you're eating meat with carbs or fat, the the glycogen will put the other amino acids into your muscles. And so then what, because that tryptophan doesn't break down that easily, there will be more in your bloodstream. Yeah, I think I always just assumed that I slept better or faster when I was eating carbs just from the sugar crash. And so maybe that's where like it was, I fell asleep faster because I was just crashing from eating sugar or carbs. But then I didn't necessarily sleep soundly enough. I didn't sleep deep enough. I was restless usually throughout the night or I was dealing with those blood sugar rises and spikes all throughout the night. Um, And so that was kind of getting me up and down a lot in the night. Yeah, so that absolutely will help happen. We need growth hormone to be higher, and that is antagonistic to insulin. So if you are eating a high-carb diet um, and you have high carbs before bed, yes, it's going to knock you out. And that's different than what I'm talking about with this specific tryptophan thing. Um, So that will happen. But if your insulin is high before bed and, um, you know, studies show that insulin, you're more insulin resistant around night, so it will require more insulin to be released to break down or to store away the glucose that you're consuming in your carbohydrates. So if you eat a lot of carbohydrates um, and then you're producing a lot of insulin, your growth hormone will then um, go down and you need growth hormone to get into deep sleep and then have that good REM sleep. So that's why I think when we are on the standard American diet, our blood sugars are dysregulated, our insulin is high, then our growth hormone in turn goes down and then we don't get that restful sleep, even though we're sleeping a lot more. That makes sense. Because I definitely was sleeping way more hours in a day previously, but never feeling as rested as I do now. Um, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And that's like, I think my husband has always been somebody who's needed less sleep than I do. He used to need, though, like eight hours uh, of sleep a night. He also had sleep apnea before. And so he was constantly waking himself up. How many yeah. times in the night he slept with a CPAP machine? That's the only way he able to sleep. Like that's the only, I met him when he was sleeping with that machine. He needed that machine so badly that when we had our kids, he took it to the hospital to sleep in oh, the wow. chair next to me while we were dealing, you know, having a baby. He couldn't sleep even a little bit without it. Um, and so that was always a big deal. Um, so he used to sleep a lot more hours, but it was still not as restful. And now he sleeps. He doesn't need a CPAP machine, right? Obviously losing weight and low carb and carnivore has um, reversed his sleep apnea. He doesn't need that uh, machine anymore, but also he needs a lot less sleep. Like he sleeps like a, like clockwork. Our lives are very scheduled and very routine, but he sleeps 11 PM to 530 AM. Just naturally he goes to bed at 11. He wakes up at 530 no matter what he does. And then drives me nuts because <laughs> I I don't understand. I don't know how he can be so rested. He also used to fall asleep watching TV on the couch with me pre- previously, like as a carb eater. Right. And he's never does that anymore. It's He hasn't taken a nap or anything in many years or just dozed off while he's watching TV. Um, I used to get so irritated when we'd like sit down to watch a movie together and he's dozing off. But now he sleeps six and a half hours a night like clockwork. He goes to bed after me. He wakes up before me and he's like perfectly rested all the time. And so that's with carnivore 
makes his sleep very deep, very restorative. He falls asleep in like 15 minutes. So yeah. again, all of these things drive me insane because I wish that I could be this efficient with my sleep. I wish I could fall asleep that quickly, but he lays down, falls asleep, wakes up exactly six and a half hours later, like clockwork. Um, I'm very jealous. It, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I feel that I sleep less. I mean, I don't know exactly how many hours I sleep since it's all over the place, but I do sleep well. And then I pass out hard. I mean, I read a little bit and then sometimes I'll wake up and the phone is on my face because I fell asleep reading the article. <laughs> but yeah, I, I fall asleep reading and it I fall asleep really quickly. And then I'm up however many hours later, I try to get at least seven. Based on research, it seems like our sleep cycles are much shorter. And in order to get into the REM sleep, the very, very deep sleep, we need to go through all of the three um, stages of sleep. And if we are doing it faster in a ketogenic state, we're also going through autophagy and cleaning out any of the toxins during the day, then it kind of makes sense why we may actually need less sleep. I mean, if you feel rejuvenated, your hormones are in balance, you feel good energy, and you're sleeping less, this just might be a new normal. Now, I don't think most women feel that. I think most people feel I'm tired throughout the day. I'm not getting a lot of sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night and then I can't go back to sleep. So, I mean, some of the things we talked about, you may want to try. I think the stress, the cortisol, that's a huge reason we are not sleeping well. Um, you can try a little bit of the carbs at night. You know, the maybe like 10 to 20 grams of carbs will be sufficient. And the interesting thing is you may not want to also do fruit. So, you know, fruit, the main form of sugar is fructose. And fructose, if eaten in excess, can actually block your serotonin, which then would affect your melatonin. So you may want to do like a starchy carb, like a potato, if you can tolerate it. And if you could eat about 10 to 20 grams, and that may just help you sleep because again, it'll move some of the other amino acids into your muscles. And then your tryptophan will be more readily available to then go to your brain to then produce melatonin. When you're saying at night, though, how late are you? Are you talking like right before bed? Or are you talking with your evening meal? Um, what kind of timing are you talking about with that? So um, it'll depend. So I, I think the best thing to do is try. So I would first try with dinner and then have your dinner at least four hours away from your bedtime so that you are not digesting at night. If you feel full, if you feel bloated, it's really hard to sleep. There's nerves that go from your brain to your gut. So if you're overly full, that'll affect your sleep too. So I'd first try it at, at dinner, uh, maybe add a little bit of starches, uh, ones that you can tolerate that and won't make you, you know, go off the deep end or anything like that. And if that doesn't help, then you may want to try an hour before bed. So maybe 10 grams of some type of starch, maybe add a little bit of protein so you can have enough of that tryptophan. So maybe like bacon and I don't know, some starch may help. And you may, maybe some people can do the fruit. But again, I mean, based off the research, if you eat other carbs throughout the day, and then you're also having fruit at night, it actually may be a disservice to your sleep. So besides carbs, because um, I think like some of us are not wanting to do that at all. And so what are some other, you mentioned the fish oil, you mentioned the um, stress. Obviously, we talked about proper electrolyte balances. Like if I can't fall asleep at night, what other things might be causing the issue if I'm trying to get to the root cause of that? Like Chris just thinks I'm crazy and that I can't turn my mind off. And I sit there and like go through my day and arguments and my to-do list and like all, I just can't turn my brain off. And I keep thinking of all these things. Like what other is that just the way my mind works or is that uh is there something else going on physically 
I really think it's your cortisol. Um, and the reason I think that is because, you know, when we're processing things and we're like, oh, I have so much to do and you feel a little bit of that anxiety that, oh, I have a lot to do yeah. tomorrow. I got to get things done. That totally releases cortisol. So basically we function off of adrenaline and we store maybe 30 minutes worth of adrenaline in our bodies when we're getting depleted of that. That's when our HPA axis tells our adrenals to release cortisol. Then cortisol says, hey, adrenaline release. And that's that whole cycle. We are constantly releasing cortisol. So even if it's like watching news and we get a little emotionally affected by that, totally affects our cortisol. The reason I think personally for you that it may be the cortisol is when you're doing extended fasting that you can't sleep. Maybe I just sleep when I'm exhausted and then I read and then I read and read and then I just fall asleep and my cortisol is low because the reading is so boring. I don't know, but um, it's something you want to try, but you have a hard time sleeping when you're extended fasting. To me, that's the indication of cortisol. And for uh, when I talk about extended too, I just want to clear, I'm talking about when I hit like day four or five, like that's why I stay to 48 to me. I sleep great. Even it's up to 72. Gotcha. Um, you know, it's like, it's like the first two nights of fasting. I sleep great. And it's once I hit that third night, then I just usually am up, uh, quite a bit. And also that's about the time when like the leg cramps start and things get a little, um, I could tell like my body's getting a little more depleted at that point. So it's why I typically tend to stay 72 and under 48, something like that. That makes sense. Um, I mean, the other things you can try, which I think these are more band-aids that kind of help you right now, are like adaptogens, glandulars, all of these things will mimic support for either... um, I have no idea what any of those things are. So what are those things? So like adaptogens basically help your body adapt. So it helps support the endocrine system. So if you're running high on cortisol, it'll help to lower it. If you're running low, it'll help to higher it. So people... The fact that it adapts, um, it'll vary. So for some people, like a certain route, it may help some people. It doesn't always help. But those things are essentially band-aids, right? Because something is deficient. So you're taking it to support the production of melatonin or it can help calm the endocrine system. Um, That's why people love alcohol, right? So a glass of wine before bed will help calm the body. But then once your body kind of wakens up from that uh, forced calming. Now you have that cortisol rush in the middle of the night. And that's why people that drink in the long term, it doesn't help because then they wake up and they're wired. Oh, yeah. The alcohol that made them go to bed. So you have to find what essentially is the root cause. I know that's so annoying to hear. I get it. Um, but I, I really think for most of us, it's the cortisol. It's that we are producing way too much cortisol. Our minds are running. So you have to figure out how do you shut off your mind? For me, I figured out, let's say I'm stressed in the day or I've had a bad day, then, um, you know, I'll try to redirect my thoughts. Okay, Judy, you're overthinking, you're ruminating. And sometimes that just doesn't help, right? So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on a silly sitcom and just laugh at funny jokes. And that may just kind of calm my nervous system down. But at nighttime, it's the reading. And Kevin hates reading. So he falls asleep to watching some shows and he'll just get really sleepy that way. But I can never do that. I'll end up watching TV all through the night. For me, it's sleeping. I cannot fall asleep watching TV. I think I just like get too invested in what's going on. I'm not one of those people who could do that. Well, I'll miss something. I can't do that. Right, so, right. Yeah, definitely. I would just try to figure out what helps you to calm down and um, de-stress. And then those are the things that you'll have to you know, implement daily. You can try B vitamins. You could try a little bit of the fish oil, maybe even some of the MCTs. You can try all of those. But essentially, those are, you know, band-aids that are helping you get through it. Um yeah. And I mean, I honestly never use carbs to sleep. Um, if I ever add carbs and I eat too much of it, I definitely sleep more. But in the morning, I am so much more tired and I have that kind of mental fog. And it 
I just feel sluggish the rest of the day. So yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. It's like I get headaches or I wake up feeling yes. sore um, and just kind of tense all over. And I could tell I didn't, didn't sleep as well. Yeah. That tenseness is the inflammation um, and the adrenals yeah. and all of that stuff. So I, I do think carbs can temporarily help if people are not getting sleep and, you know, you need to sleep to get that deep sleep, to heal, to have mental clarity. So it's, if you're constantly not able to sleep, then maybe those 20 grams of carbohydrates um, a little before bed will help. When she's saying too, when Judy's saying carbs, she's talking about, again, she just said at 10 to 20 grams, it's a, it's a small amount of something. It's not eating pizza or it's not eating ice yeah. cream or it's not having like, oh, well, my body's stressed out. I need to go eat um, a bowl of cereal before I go to bed. It's sugar cereal. Like, I mean, you can get carbs in something like full fat yogurt. You can get right. it in cottage cheese. Eggs have some carbs in it. You can even, some shellfish has carbs. Like you could stay right. carnivore and find your sources of carbs. Um, or you could even stay keto. Maybe you do need some vegetables or if you can tolerate nuts and you don't, nuts make me binge. And so I can't really take, uh, have those, but it, figuring out something else, um, that she's saying, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, actual sugar or it's just, that's not your excuse. Like whatever this episode we're talking about is it's not saying you need a small amount of carbs for sleep. You don't need to eat a Snickers. Like I'm just saying that because I know that's how my brain works. Right. I'd be like, well, Judy said I need t 20 grams of carbs. How many Snick mini Snickers is 20 grams of carbs? Like that doesn't work that way. I'll put it into context. Um, I have never used carbs to sleep. Um, and I sleep well, granted it's um, sporadic. Um, and then my clients, I wouldn't say that I had anyone try carbs. Now I gave it as a last resort, but most of them have not taken it. Uh, it's normally, I, I honestly think it's the stress. Maybe some of it can be the electrolyte imbalance. And we may think we're not stressed because now we're just normally running at like a level eight out of 10 in terms of cortisol. And so we're like, I'm not stressed. I'm functioning fine. You don't feel that high anxiety, but you may still have high cortisol. Um, you don't feel it on a day-to-day -day basis because you have just kind of normalized it, but that does not yeah. mean that you don't have a lot of cortisol. And the way you'll know is if your sleep is um, affected, um, if you're gaining weight, if you're moody, if your energy seems kind of low on a low carb diet, it honestly shouldn't, right? Like when I am trying to be at my best peak performance, whether it's athletics, whether it's writing a book, whether it's doing really hard science interviews, I go as ketogenic as possible because that is where I, I shine. Some of the issue is that people in the space of a meat-based diet are like, oh, having a little bit of fruit. Well, fruit doesn't have a lot of anti-nutrients. The plants want us to eat that. So it, we would essentially eat their seed and, you know, spread their um, offspring everywhere. But our fruits we eat today are not the fruits they ate even a hundred years ago. It's a lot sweeter. It's a lot genetically yeah. modified. Um, and then on top of that, if you, again, if you're eating drips of sugar throughout the day, you may never get into ketosis and you may have like 0.3 ketones, but you're really running off your glucose. And then you're not even providing enough of that glycogen. And so you're going to feel low energy the whole time. So it's either make that decision and do like a hundred grams of carbs or, try to get into a ketogenic state, a real one, get truly fat adapted, and then get your sleep to be better. Anytime I've had like an extended weight loss stall, 100% of the time I know sleep is a big issue. And there are times when I've literally changed nothing else from my eating and I'm eating the same way for several weeks. And all of a sudden I just like really focus on 
going to bed earlier, an hour earlier every day for a week. And I can see a big difference and I drop weight. Like I go through this battle so much of wanting the peace, like after the kids go to bed at night of Chris and I wanting our alone time together. And even now I've been pushing it the last month. And I can tell you because my schedule has gotten a little crazier. I've, I can tell the last couple of weeks I've been having problems because our kids have started staying up later. They're getting older. They don't go to bed at seven o'clock on the dot anymore. Right. It's more like seven thirty or eight. And so as they go to bed later, Chris and I are still looking for this like two to three hours of, of, or, you know, a couple hours of alone time together at night where we can talk and visit and watch TV and, you know, be married couple alone with <laughs> together. Right. Um, we're looking for this time, but the kids are staying up later and later. And so we're, it's shortening our time. Well, my reaction to that, especially with me now traveling and being gone has been to like stay up a little later and stay up right. a little later. And now my schedule is even crazier because of travel. Um, and just my cortisol's up because of doing these new things. So I can tell that my weight has stalled. My body has kind of, uh, holding on to some extra water. Like we, like you mentioned earlier, and I know, I know that the biggest factor right now for me is just sleep because I haven't been making it as big of a priority because there's days when I need this to feel, I feel like I need to decompress by staying awake longer, even though that's really just continues me down this vicious cycle of causing my sleep issues and making things worse and making you feel like you need that in the first place. So I think, you know, stop, reset, go to bed earlier look at your day, look at your schedule. There's not, you know, things can wait. There are a lot of things that can wait. And as much as I even fight that a lot, I have to make it a bigger priority for myself. I mean, we sleep over 30% of our lifetime. And so sleep is so important. Um, you know, we, we talked about circadian rhythms. I mean, it does the repairing, the detoxing, it organizes our memories and it, uh, removes a lot of the toxins. It reduces stress, and and we were talking about growth hormone, right? And it it just helps balance things. And if we know that we sleep thirty percent of the time, but we de- we you know deprioritize it, it can absolutely affect our wellness. Uh, we we need that sleep. Now, if you're in again a very deep ketogenic therapeutic state, maybe you don't need as much, but you'll know based on your symptoms if you are getting that restorative sleep or not. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up was a study I read on there were like 12 epileptic children that were studied for their, are they getting seizures? How are they doing on a ketogenic diet? And one thing they found was that their sleep lessened and they didn't eat any of those carbs at night or anything like that. But they found that their deep sleep and their REM sleep did not decrease, even though their sleep decreased. Mm. So it just goes back to we don't really need carbs for sleep. That is a Band-Aid. But if it helps you temporarily, so be it. But really, it's reducing the stressors, making sure you're in a fat-adapted state. This is where I think maybe tracking your ketones for a little bit, looking at your macros, what you're eating in a day. You know, are you kind of grazing through the day on meat-based foods? Well, then you're never going to possibly hit those autophagy moments of like intermittent fasting and stuff. So these are all things to consider. There's no right answer. But I know a lot of people use the carbs. It is a working method. It is. Um, there's science to it. But I don't think the long-term effects, especially if you have metabolic damage, if you've ever been a diabetic, pre-diabetic, it's probably the worst option you can pick. We find, and like you said, there's studies with those children and it's just, um, 
you know, our personal lives, I, I sleeping is my favorite thing. My kids will say, if you ask them, what's your mom's favorite thing to do? They're like, she loves <laughs> to sleep. I love to sleep in, but my idea now of sleeping in on the weekends is sleeping until eight o'clock. And that's right. like, whoa, I slept until eight. When in the past, as a car beater and as somebody who was um, obese, I could easily sleep until 10 or 11 noon. Like it was not out of the realm for me to like go to bed at 10 and wake up at 10 and sleep a full 12 hours every night. And that was my absolute favorite thing to do. And so I think in these busy lives lives that we lead, we're trying to get the most out of it. We're trying to fit more into our day. The best thing for us to do is to sleep more efficiently and For me, sleeping more efficiently means being more strict on how I'm eating, to tighten up what I'm eating, to make sure I'm not having any type of keto treats or any type of nuts or anything else that's going to, um, my, you know, keeping my, like you said, don't be grazing all day. Don't be snacking all day. So I'm getting really solid, efficient sleep at night. And when I do that, even from somebody who feels like I need more sleep than the average person, I can um, make do with seven or eight hours, which is extremely efficient for myself. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. One other thing I wanted to just bring up is a lot of my clients wear the aura ring or some sleep tracker, and they always show me, here's my heart rate variability. Um, and they show other metrics, but they always talk about the sleep, right? Oh, so one of my clients said, I woke up five times. How many times do you remember? And it's always, well, my aura ring told me I woke up five times. Yeah. And then when I asked, well, how many times do you remember? It's normally maybe one or two. So the thing about the devices is they're not 100%. One thing is that they're not really good at distinguishing between sleep stages. So a lot of the sleep stages, uh, they rely on movement to determine where you are in your sleep stage. But the real way we measure sleep stages is through brain activity, which none of these things can do. They have found alternate ways to measure, just like the CGM does instead of blood glucose, it measures your interstitial uh, fluid. I think they're great monitors tracking to see like how much you're sleeping, but they have this thing called the readiness scale. So when you wake up, it says the higher the number, it's like, oh, you're ready for the day. You can do exercise. You could do this. But then they have days. It's like, uh oh, you didn't get good sleep. You may want to take it easy today. And the hesitation with that is our minds are really powerful, right? Our thoughts, behaviors become actions. And so imagine you get a readiness scale of, oh, no, Laura, you need to take it easy today, right? Then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, I'm going to be tired today because my readiness. So, Or you don't put the effort into the day because you're like, I'm not allowed to, I can't today. And so you like curb yourself and you almost will it to happen. And you've now put yourself in this, in this cycle. Um, I think more than anything, just find a routine. Kids need a bedtime routine. Kids need expectations. I need that. And for me, it's obviously not, I'm going to look at my phone before I go to bed. It's just, it is what it is. But I have my eye mask that I use and I have my weighted blanket and I have my noise machine that gives me soothing and calmness. I even have bought like a little mini noise machine to put in my suitcase for when I travel and I bring a separate eye mask for when I travel and I have my little like night guard. Like we have these things that are giving us comfort and peace and quiet and calm and as we're trying to sleep and and I think you know it's finding the the restful times um like you said I I need to work on my cortisol I need to work on turning my brain off so I'm not um thinking about things nonstop at night but it's still finding the routine that's going to help me operate and sleep the best and get the most efficient night's sleep possible so I can heal and lose weight and be positive and not be cranky (laughs) 
even when I would travel, um, I, I remember the first night was always bad because I would, I, you know, like all foreign sounds you'd wake up to. So yeah. I could hear the footsteps, the doors opening. Um, so yeah, I totally see that. And and then if I sleep with my kid's sleep machine um, or the sound machine, that white noise, it sounds, I mean, you can't hear anything. And then you have this kind of constant sound in your head and it just helps you sleep. But you're right. If you have a habitude around sleep and you sleep consistently, uh, those things will all help. While your cortisol is high, one thing to consider is the minerals, um, sodium, your adrenals love salt um, to produce cortisol or to produce adrenaline. So that's something you may want to consider. The magnesium spray, magnesium helps to calm the body. We're talking about some of those adaptogens. I'll link some supplements that have some of the herbs that you can look into. You can also, um, you know, just focus on lowering your stress. Um, You can also do some of those typical things we talked about, like the blue blockers, maybe taking a warm or cold shower, depending on what works best for you, the Epsom salt baths for magnesium. But you also want to just make sure that your insulin is becoming more sensitive with the way you're eating. So if you get your blood work done and a ketogenic diet doesn't seem to really be helping your meat-based diet, your insulin's still high, your A1C is still high, you probably have to change your macros or the way you're eating because whatever yeah. it is, it's still not helping you. And remember, your insulin needs to be low at night so that your growth hormone can be high, which then helps you get into that restful, restorative sleep. Um, and then if you're also in and out of ketosis all the time, right? So you're eating either a lot of junk food during the weekends or and then during the weekdays, you're trying to get back into ketosis, but you've never been truly fat adapted for a long time. That's a really hard place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just exhausting for your body. It's emotionally difficult. And it's, I mean, for me more than anything, it just makes me emotional and stressed. And then it makes me snappy and it affects my relationships and my food. And it's this never ending cycle. And so the stricter I am, the better I feel and the better that I want to be. Uh, And it's really just this positive snowball effect. One thing I forgot to mention is sometimes histamines, um, you know, meats have higher histamines. If you eat a standard American diet versus a meat-based diet, you'll probably have more histamines in a meat-based diet. And then if your gut is impaired, that's where most of your gut lining is what produces the DAO to break down the enzymes for um, histamines. And so if you're eating more of the histamine-rich foods by night, you might be alert because you might have a histamine reaction. So you may want to try histamine foods like the seafoods, the aged meats, any of those earlier in the day, and then not um, consume many of those closer to bed. And then also try to eat the foods that are higher in tryptophan, which is like pork. Um, I think eggs have some level of tryptophan. I think it's on the lower uh, range, but you could easily grab a list online. And then you may want to try either like a teaspoon of MCT oil, you know, limit your caffeine. And then I guess if you want to try um, some of the starchy carbs, maybe 10 to 20 grams a little bit before bed with some protein. Yeah, that sounds good. Those would be helpful. I think it's in, in like we talk about in almost every episode, it's consistency and it's making yes. an effort and it's doing something for a long period of time. Um, you're not going to see a change in results because you ate pork in the evenings one day um, yeah. and didn't, you know, like it's, it's making a change and sticking with it for, for an extended period of time to be able to diagnose this. And I think it's so difficult sometimes when we want quick answers for everything. And sleep is one of those things that more than anything that we've talked about, right? With everything, but sleep and hormones, like all of these things take time and yes. consistency. Uh, and that's the, the best thing that you can do in looking to heal yourself or lose weight and sleep better. And all of these positive changes that we're making, we just have to give it time and be consistent. 
Yeah. And be honest with yourselves, right? So if you're eating more carbs than you, you know, like a handful of berries, I mean, we can just kind of grab some uh, throughout the day and we think we're not eating a lot of carbs, but it may add up. So this is where maybe tracking your glucose or ketones for a little bit, just to get an idea of what is my carb tolerance, right? I think it's different for everyone. Well, this was helpful. Hopefully this gave you guys some tips uh, and tricks to diagnose. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up today, Judy? No, I I hope that some of these factors um, will help you get better sleep. Cool. Thanks guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. uh, Share it with somebody who you know is a terrible sleeper. Thanks guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.